0: Amen. He hears me when I call. Amen. Aren't you glad about that? He hears you when you call? You know, a question for today might be, do we hear him when he calls? <laughs> do, do we hear his voice as he calls us? He, he certainly, and we without a doubt, know that he hears us when we call. That's what kind of friend we have in Jesus. Amen. Amen. We have all or most of us have had the experience, regardless of what cell phone company that we have, of asking a question like this, can you hear me now? You've said it before, even before it was uh, an ad for a, a, a major cell carrier, you've said that before, can you hear me? And we turn our heads, do we not? We, we, we turn to this side or that side. Can you hear me now? I've had times where I'm on one foot with my phone in the air tr- just trying to get a signal, you know, because uh, they don't always come. But can you hear me now is something that we've asked ourselves. The Verizon's campaign, uh, that ad calmed our fears about spotty cell service that was going on with uh, uh, and, and what was going on with the Verizon company. They, they promised that they would make things clearer, that they would be able to always, we would always be able to hear the voice on the, other hand, on the other end of the phone plainly and clearly, and how frustrating it can be when we're trying to have a natural, just a plain, a clear, uh, a wonderful conversation with one another while navigating the call drops and the can you hear me now questions. It's something that most of us, when dealing with the unclear communications that we share these days, I don't know if you noticed, but did you notice that ad campaigns don't actually change service? Come on now. <laughs> when they tell you something's going to work a certain way and it, it doesn't, you know, but, but we like the commercial and it's fun. And so we just take their ad and we say, can you hear me now? Not much better than before, but we keep saying it to each other. Those communications, they'll hearken us back to something that we used to always say when, when something didn't work as it was intended to. We'd say this, you know, they can put a man on the moon. But they can't, and then just fill in the blank. Whatever it is that you're dealing with that's not working as it was intended. The question still remains, though, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? A man asked his pastor, hey, if if Jesus uh, knew Judas was going to betray him, if he already knew that, why did he call him? Why did he call him in the first place if he already knew that he was going to betray him? And the pastor answered it this way. He says, I don't know, but here's a question. Why did he call me? We don't know why he called Jesus. We could ask a question to ourselves. Why did he call me? The point is this. Jesus is calling. He, He continues to call to this very day. He's calling. He's calling each of us as followers, and we should be hearing his voice. Can you hear him now? There was a young lady who had a call to go into missions. She wanted to be a missionary out in the mission field. She had it all worked out. She had studied nursing, and that would put her right in the prime position to be able to get into lots of countries and do that kind of work, but still taking the message of Christ with her. And then along came a young man. I looked at Lynn this morning I said, remember that? She said, nope. But along came a young man, and she fell in love, and they got engaged. The only problem was this, that the young man was very clear about how he felt about it. He felt no call to go to the mission field. And not long afterwards, a man came to their church, and he was speaking and preaching and bringing the message. And as he was praying over her, God gave him a word, and he said this to her. He said, you are called to the mission field God wants you to know that the person that you are planning to marry will lead you away from that calling. That's pretty specific. Most of mine are like, Rob, you're going to do okay. (laughs) Real committal, you know. But he says specifically that that marriage will lead you away from your calling. What do you do? What do you do with a word like that? Choose the good thing and marry this guy or break it off so that she could maintain or attain God's very best for her life. The writer of the story relays, he says, I'm sorry to say that she married him. Sometimes the choice isn't between good and evil. It's not always about that. He says sometimes it's between good and what's best. It's not good or evil, it's good or what's best. And the writer of the story relays he was sorry that she went ahead and made that decision, but he said the prophecy that was pronounced over the young lady was true. Not only did she turn away from her calling, but eventually she turned away from the Lord. You see, God's calling. The Lord is calling, and His voice is strong. I wonder if you hear that today. Sometimes we think, man, I... I can barely hear my savior calling. You know it's, it's there's so much crowding our airways and crowding our lives and crowding our our our, our uh, just the the lives that we lead each and every day. It's pressing in on us and there's so much to know, so much to figure out, so much to understand. I mean, you got to know how to fix your phone these now you just hand it to your kids, don't you? Just hand it to your kids, they'll figure it out for you. But there there's so much that's occupying the space of trying to hear what it is that God wants to say and his voice voice is still strong. It hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday and today and forevermore. The word says in Psalm 29 it says this, the voice of the Lord is powerful. <laughs> we got a few. Let, let's warm up, you know. The voice of the Lord is powerful. <laughs> All right. The, it says that the voice of the Lord is majestic. I hate it when I have to beg. <laughs> but it's okay. It says the voice of the Lord is majestic. Yes, it is the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. And those cedars of Lebanon, they aren't something you just, hey, let's take our axe over and try and get that down. These are are the big, mighty cedars of Lebanon. The voice of the Lord breaks those cedars. The voice of the Lord hews out flames of fire. Wow. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. Is that the voice that we hear today? I heard God calling. It was powerful. It was majestic. It breaks whatever's hardened, hardened in our lives. The the steel, the the mortar, the the cement, it breaks all that. The voice of the Lord, it shoots out flames. It it burns the stuff within me that doesn't belong anymore. It It just melts it away from me and it shakes the wilderness. It causes me to be able to see far in advance where God's taken me as long as I'm following His will. You see, the voice of the Lord is still speaking to this very day. He's still calling us. His voice is strong and it's majestic. The real question is do we hear the voice of the Lord? Do we hear His voice today? Do we still hear our shepherd speaking or calling? Or with all the noise that is around us, are we not, are we not hearing what it is that He is saying? Don't you find a lot of competition for our ears today, especially if the TV's still on? <laughs> Pastor Robert Morris writes in his book, it's called "Frequency. Tune in, Hear God." Frequency, tune in, hear God. He says this, that our ability to hear God is innate. It's something that's within each one of us. It's not something that we work all of our lives to attain, but it's within us when we accept Christ as our Savior that our ability to hear God is innate. It's something innate. It's part of our instinct. Hearing God, he says, comes naturally to us as believers. Sheep, he says, are born as sheep. Did you get that? Sheep are born as sheep. They're born with the innate ability to hear their shepherd. It's actually woven right into the sequence of their very DNA. Lions don't have it. Rhinoceroses. I wanted to say rhinoceri, but I'm pretty sure it's rhinoceroses, but I think that my teachers will tell me after the service. Rhinoceroses don't have the ability either. And bumblebees no matter how hard you try, won't hear the voice of their master. But sheep do. It's part of their instinct. The Bible calls you and me. It calls us sheep. And that instinct is true for us also. Can be, should be. When we become Christians, we are born with the ability to hear, born afresh and anew with the ability to hear God's voice in our lives. If we fear that we won't be able to hear God's voice, we should take heart and be encouraged because God's will, God will and God does speak to each one of us. In John 10, he declares that he himself is the good shepherd. That Jesus himself is the good shepherd and he promises that his sheep will hear his voice. And when we trusted for our salvation, we were reborn with spiritual ears. We were born again. And when we became alive in Christ, we received that ability. It's part of our new nature, our new instinct to be able to hear God speak to us. In reading from our text this morning, I would direct your attention to Jeremiah 1, 4 through 10. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word this morning. Jeremiah 1, 4 through 10, it says this. Notice the sequence. God speaks. There's an intimate relationship. There's a setting apart. There's a purpose. There's a direction. There's a power and a presence. There's a supernatural empowerment. You'll hear it as we read Jeremiah 1, 4 through 10. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, so the word, God is speaking. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you, I knew you. Before I formed you, so this is an intimate relationship between creator and created. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you or set you apart, sanctified you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. And then the response, he says, Then I said, Alas, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak because I am a youth. Not an excuse. (laughs) If you're young today, he doesn't say, Oh, you're right, you are kind of young, maybe I should move on. He doesn't say that. He says, But it says, But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth. Because everywhere I send you, you shall go, and all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out his hand, he touched my mouth, he says. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms. To do what? He's got a job to do. He's got a task to pluck up and to break down. That doesn't sound like fun, to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and overthrow. Another one that doesn't sound like a lot of fun. I like to encourage, to build and make you feel good. He he says you're going to be doing some things, but then he does say to build and to plant. This, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father, we thank you for your word. We praise your name. You are powerful. You're majestic. You still speak to this very day, Lord. I pray that we could, more than ever before, begin to hear your voice loud and clear. Lord, would you speak to us today? In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, there's a story told of St. Francis of Anissi. You probably remember him who invited a young monk to accompany him. Accompany him. They were going to go downtown and preach the word. Go downtown, go, go down to their little, their little area, and they were going to go preach. So the young friar was excited to be with Francis, and he wanted to learn as much as he could from him, knowing who St. Francis was. So he watched him closely. He observed his mentor carefully as they strolled along the streets of the community. St. Francis would often stop to visit the children, talk to them, see how they're doing, and, and the merchants. He'd see how business is going, what's going on in your life, and how's it coming in, your, in, in what you're, you're doing here. And, and the young priest finally said, Sir, as they made their way back to, the, uh, to, to where they were uh, spending that time together, back to the abbey, Francis replied, uh, the young priest said, Sir, have you forgotten something? <laughs> I, I thought we were going to go downtown, downtown to preach. Did you forget about that? And wisely, Francis, he replied, my son, we have preached. We have been seen by many. Our words have been overheard. It was by these measures that we preached our morning sermon this morning. You see, God has called many down through the ages to preach or to speak to speak his word to others. Today, we often call them pastors and preachers, but that's not all. Not everyone is called to preach from platforms each week, but God does call each of us, actually every one of us, to share or to bring his word or sermons into the marketplace of life that we live each and every week, wherever that may be. We are to take his word with us as we engage in the communities that we live in, naturally, normally. Uh, we had talked to somebody this morning that was doing that this week and was out at a, a kind of a, a gathering, kind of a barbecue type thing. And he was thinking through on what, the activities that were going on. He could tell the, the darker it was going to get or the later in the evening it was going to get, it was going to become a place where he probably didn't want to hang out as much. And, and so uh, he, he made his, his way over to the, the person that was at their house and said, hey, I got to get going. They, oh, you're leaving already. Why would you be leaving already? And he had the opportunity to, to speak into them. He says, Well, um, I just I, I gotta get home in time to kind of get a good night's rest because I got I get up and go to church. And, and uh, that person said that, well, you don't have to go to church to to know God. And and instead of arguing the point, he said, No, no, I I don't suppose you you do. And and the person began to think, oh, well, uh, really, you're not going to fight with me about that? And they'd be, he says, so, so why, do you, why do you so much want to go to church? He says, well, uh, you know, I get up early, and I go in for prayer, and, and there's just people there that really care about me, and I care about them, and I just, I can't wait on Saturdays to kind of lay down and get ready and then get up and go to church. I just, I love the people. And by the time they finished their conversation, it went from, well, you don't have to go to church to know God. This person was like, well, where is your church? Well, what church do you go to? Well, you know, up there on Tucker and you know, Highland. Hey, well, well maybe, maybe someday I'll come over and, and visit your church. Just normal and naturally speaking about his own life, about what's not, not coming against, but just speaking about what he can't wait for, the excitement that he has to come to church. You see, the pulpit ministry and the marketplace ministry, they have similarities there's some similarities there that whether you're preaching from a platform or you're just taking the word out in your normal everyday life, there's number one, it starts with the call. There's always a call. The word of God came to me, it says in verse 4. It indicates a very personal call from God. You see, God recognizes each one of our gifts. He recognizes our talents and our attitudes. He knows exactly how we're all made up. And God's call is personal, personal. His loving approval sends us out to the lost world to share the kingdom message through our words and our actions and even our own the righteousness that he puts on us. One writer said it this way, God's initiative does not destroy man's responsibility. Quite the contrary, he says, God has acted, therefore man is responsible to act. God has acted, therefore we're responsible to act. And God's call stresses some areas for us to consider. Here's a few of them. There's a divine compulsion to respond to the call that God lays on our hearts. There's, there, there's a compulsion to respond to it. Really, God? Me? Are you serious? There's something that I can say for you that, I, that, 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 that no one else can. Why would you pick me? I'm too young I don't use that one anymore, but, you know, they're, they're, I don't have the words, and, and he knows who he's calling, but there's a compulsion to respond to that call. There's also a compassion, a deep compassion <clears throat> that others in the need of God, that, that they have a need for God, and we all share that together, this great need of God. There's a deep compassion for those. Then there's a there's a direct concern for the lost. We become very consumed with the idea that there are people who don't know Christ and their lives would be so amazing if they'd have the opportunity to meet the master that I've met. There's a diligence that drives us to understand and study the Word of God we, I don't know what to say it's all right here and you don't have you can memorize it if you like but, but but even if you can't memorize it as long as you read it I can't tell you how many times God has recalled to me scripture that needed to be said at a right in this perfect moment and I don't remember studying it I don't remember uh, placing it in memory that's a good thing to do but we have to read it or God can't recall it to our memory. So there's a diligence that drives one to understand and study that word. See what that means. What is that about? We have so much at our fingertips right in your phone. You have a doctorate degree sitting right in your phone. If you just open it up and start looking through it and reading it, do some commentary. Read about what God's saying to you through the word. There's also a depth of accountability for our own spiritual well-being. Now that I begin to speak for God and he's blessing that and he's helping me as I go into the marketplaces of of our community and I share with other people, they begin to watch my life. They begin to take notice of who you are and how you walk and where you go and where you don't go and all those sort of things. And I feel a responsibility. There's things out there that are permissible. There's nothing wrong with them. They're not sinful. There's some things I just won't do because I know that I represent Almighty God. That's not to put anything undue on us. It just says that when we push in, when the divine compulsion is to respond to the call and there's a compassion for others and a concern for their spiritual well-beings and we're studying the word, I also want to go out and I want to be a good example, the best I know how to be for an almighty God that has called and placed that call on my life, not just as a pastor, but just as a person. There's more people that are called as persons than there are that are called as pastors. Many, if not most of us, think, I'm not sure about that. that. I mean, I don't feel qualified to speak for the Lord. I don't feel gifted or feel that I can answer all the questions that people might have. And Hey, join the club. Join the club of those that don't have every answer for every question that comes. I don't always feel as if I have a perfect answer for every question that comes. Last week, right after the, the service, someone came up to me and they asked me, did Jesus and his family ever go to Cairo? <laughs> and I remember thinking, uh, what is the context for what we are speaking right now? You know, what, what, what do you want to know? What is it that you really want to know? Because that's an obscure question. I, I didn't know. Some of you just went, yeah, oh, I, uh, there's the travels. And I was like, hey, I'll I'll think about that. I'll go look at it. I'll go look for it. And I did. <laughs> and I think they might have. <laughs> I don't have a perfect answer for all those questions. But the point is this, God is speaking. God is calling. He's calling each of us, and he has a place for each of us in his kingdom work. And whether we are on a platform, speaking as pastors, or or working each week out in the community, which is a much greater influence at times, each one of us is to share or to bring God's presence into that marketplace of life. We are to take his word with us as we engage in the communities that we live. They're out there. They're hungry. They're seeking. They're looking for the answers in a lot of different ways. And we actually have an answer. And it doesn't have to be, I grew up on some really hard answers. Some of can just be an influence of what I'm excited about for Sunday morning. Well, what's that? I get to go to church. Why would you want to do that? Church is for football. I mean, Sunday's for football. That was one of the answers. Sunday's for football. And he goes, oh, yeah, I guess it is getting close to football season. Yesterday wasn't a great day for Chiefs fans. You're right. Sunday is for football for many people, but I can't wait to go be with my church people. They're so encouraging, uplifting I know they love me and I love them back. God's calling. We are to take his word and engage our communities. We all carry the responsibility of listening and responding to the call of God. We just do. God is speaking. You see when we think that we're not qualified or ready to serve, we must remember this. This is number 2 point that God knows the person that he has called. He he doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't go, "Oh, oops, you're right. What were you doing there?" <laughs> I was calling someone else and you stepped in. <laughs> God knows the person that he has called. God has called every one of us, clergy and laity alike. He's called us to the essential aspects of ministry. You see, when we think that we're not qualified or ready to serve, we we have to remember this, that God knows the person that he has called. There's a story about a pilot who announced over the intercom. He said this, ladies and gentlemen, I have good news and bad news. I just don't want to hear that out of my pilots. But he says, I have good news and bad news. I'd rather be a good news and good news, but he had good news and he had bad news. The good news is that we have a tailwind, he said. We are making excellent time. The bad news is that our compass is broken. We have no idea where we're going. (laughs) You see, we've all had at times the same problem. We have have spiritually wandered aimlessly around not knowing where we are headed or what we have been called to do. We have often seen a responsibility that needs to be tackled, but we ask this question, who will fulfill that task? Who can possibly do it? Someone should do something. We've wondered why someone isn't taking care of a need instead of asking who, who feels called to undertake this ministry? Who is God calling to undertake this ministry? The difference is quite subtle. You see, God is calling us to not take a task. I don't know about you, but if I ask you, hey, how many would like to take care of a task this week for Jesus? Some of you might go, it'd really look good if I'd raise my hand. And there's not too many people that really feel like they want to take a task. But to fulfill ministry, to minister to others, to, to, to be a part of something God is doing That's a whole different deal. Ministry is about people, not organizational charts. And God knows the person or the persons that he has called to do that ministry. He doesn't make mistakes. And he is or is equipping those that he has called with the power and a purpose. He He has a purpose, but he wants to give us the power to accomplish that purpose. He has done this by giving individuals a couple things one is expectations. You know, over the years, I've just seen it. The church has lowered its expectations. We get all worried about, oh, I don't want to put that on anybody. You know, let's just encourage and love everybody. Yeah, we need to do that. But, you know, as followers, we don't judge the world. We, we, we evaluate each other. We evaluate each other. Don't put it on the world. Andy Stanley said we judge the believing, not the heathen. But we've lowered our expectations. Why? Why do we do that? God will give us the power to overcome the obstacles, the obstacles that would hinder our vision and our expectations. Dr. Charles Spurgeon once talking to a young preacher. He he was checking him out, and he said this. He said, "Young man, you really don't expect much to happen in your pastorate, do you?" And the young man, the young pastor replied, "No, uh, not not really." Spurgeon blew a gasket. He said, then you won't see much happen either. If you don't think anything's going to happen, if you don't believe anything's possible, then it's probably not. Probably not going to happen. You see, what is needed, yes, even today, with all that we think that we know about how to minister to others, we simply need to ask God to give us some high expectations. Not because we're able to achieve it, but because he is. He's the one that helps us when we believe we can be more than we are, when we believe that we can reach further than we ever thought we could and go further than we ever thought we could. High expectations of what can occur in our local church, God wants to give us that. Whether it be a Sunday school class or preaching or maintenance or janitorial work or music or whatever it may be, we must be sure to expect that God will bless our every effort for his church and for his kingdom He will bless it. No matter how big or small it is, God will bless it. Not only do we have high expectations or should we, but we also have talents. Talents. God-given abilities for God's glory. Philip Brooks told of a story of some illiterate tribesmen to whom a sundial was given. Everybody know what a sundial is, right? It goes way back. They were given a sundial. The tribesmen, they desired to honor it and keep it sacred, so they built a roof over it. Here's a question to consider Do the talents that God has given us seem so valuable that we carefully put them uh, a roof over them to, to shelter and honor them instead of using them for God? Do we bury them for a day that might come? Do we hide them under a bush? Oh, no, you see, we must let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Amen. That's a good spot. It's okay. God has given us talents that we must use. We must use them for God's glory. We must remove our talents from their dormant stage and allow the quickening of the Holy Spirit to awaken that vision and raise our expectations and to use our talents to bring His presence to a people who are lost in their ways, lost in their consumption lifestyles, lost because they have not found the way, the truth, and the life. Many of us have buried the very giftedness that God gave us because maybe somebody looked down on it one day. Maybe somebody looked at us and said, what are you talking about? I don't know what you can do with that. And, and, and they, they squashed the life from within us. I want you to know if God's called it, he has the power to let it rule and reign in your life, to, to make it uh, uh, successful, to make it do what it's designed to do. When God calls us and we listen and we offer our talent to God, he will use it in ways we never even dreamed possible. But we'll need faith. We'll need faith. God has given us the power to have the faith, and we should accept it now. Faith is, uh, is companion to all the ingredients that make for the best things in life, hope, love, joy, to name a few. And fear is a stranger to every one of those. Thus, fear can only nurture itself on the things that breed the very worst in life, despair and misery and the things that are like that. Faith draws others to the way, capital W. Faith draws others to the way. Fear will send people out the door. Can you hear me now? In Matthew 14, 25 through 27, Jesus spoke these words. These things I've spoken to you while abiding with you. I'm near you. I've been with you. We've been hanging out together. These things I've spoken to you while abiding with you. But the helper The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Aren't you glad for the Holy Spirit who takes the things that we've read and he'll bring every one of them back to us right when we need them, exactly at the right moment in time. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, not as the world gives to you, I give to you. Do not... Let your heart be troubled. That's not a Hannity saying. That's a biblical saying. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. You see, we do not have to fear. We are the people of God with high expectations and talents that God has given us. We have received the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit teaches us all the things that we need, and He brings peace to our lives. We need neither to be troubled nor fearful. You see, number three, God uses the person He has called. God uses, if He's called the person, He uses the person. Jeremiah gives a clear picture, a clearer picture than any other biblical writer of what it means to receive and share God's word. Certainly, Jeremiah is nothing like a a tape recorder that unthinkingly repeats whatever is spoken into that microphone. He is a man fully moved by the Spirit, by the hand of God, and Jeremiah believes that he is responsible to use all of his God-given intellect, everything that God has given him to use to express the divine word of God in human words. And he wants to do that for us today also. All of us have been called by God, to share through the testimony of our mouths, to declare the salvation and righteousness and holiness of God to the lost and the dying world. Jeremiah, in and of himself, has little authority to do so. However, through the presence of God and his representative, he has full authority. And today, more than we might know, more than we might uh, might believe in our own hearts, The people of God have all the authority of God to speak for God, to be the mouthpiece of God to a world that's in deep despair. You see, God tells Jeremiah that he has been appointed his spokesman to express to his society their spiraling downward plunge into the abyss, into the destruction. And God says that Israel will be uprooted, torn down, destroyed, and overthrown. Not a a popular message, you know? Today's society that we live in parallels that ancient society of Jeremiah. Morals and actions and philosophies, they're all so anti-Christian that it calls for men and women of God to stand up and cry out against the anti-God, anti-Christian culture, not in hate speech, not, not pushing people away but lifting up the banner, lifting up the glory of God, the powerful message that Jesus came to bring, to stand up and cry out against all those things in a loving way that calls others to repentance, that calls others to the way, the truth, and the life that God so wants to bring to them. The reason God tells Jeremiah there must be this uprooting is to rebuild and to replant a godly society. In love, we must speak and live godliness to our culture. What makes us different than anybody else that we come across in our world? In her book, Gardening Mercies, Lori oatsby Kaler writes about a neighbor who came by her house one day and viewed her garden for the very first time. And the neighbor told her how hopeless her gardening was because the soil, the soil conditions were very poor. I, I have cement, hard clay, soil... Plus, oak root fungus disease in my soil. That combination, she says, kills. So her friend said that nothing would possibly grow in her garden. She said, Every, everyone has obstacles. We all have them uh, to overcome in gardening. If you're looking for a gardening experience without obstacles, forget about gardening, she said. You won't want to do it. Some gardeners start out with big problems, she said. Steep slopes, high altitude, short growing seasons, heavy wind. Diseased soil? If something isn't happening to challenge you, you're not gardening, she said. But just as Jeremiah saw all his obstacles, he also saw the solution. It was in God. It was in the very God that had called him. Today, we have many obstacles in the lives that we live, that we live. There are many obstacles that come our way, but with God's help, we can overcome those obstacles. These obstacles come, uh, become our launching pad to conversation with our neighbors and friends. We don't even have to have overcome them. We can say, man, we're challenged. We're really struggling with something, but you know what? God's bigger than what's a matter, and, and so I cast my cares on him, and he's going to deliver me through it. It hasn't happened yet, but I know that he's working. I know that he's drawing me to a better place than I found myself within. They're a launching pad for that conversation with neighbors and friends about what Jesus can do in their lives. They begin to identify with this. Hey, I've got financial problems too. Hey, I, I've got a problem uh, in, in my house and I, I don't know how I'm going to fix it or I've got a challenge at work, a person that's after me and I don't know how to deal with them or there's that kid at school that bugs me all the time and, and they, they want me to entertain cheating like they're doing. But we don't have to. We can live in a different way. And then they begin to see, hey, Maybe God could do that in my life. He's working that in that person's life. Maybe he can do that in my life. Can you hear me now? Do you find yourself thinking this is for someone else? I can't speak to others like that. I don't have the words. Be encouraged today. Look at Jeremiah. He says that in verses 6 and 7. He says, then I said, alas, Lord, God, behold, I do not know how to speak. He was worried that he was too young But the Lord said to me, do not say that. Don't say I'm too young because everywhere I send you, you shall go. And all that I command you, you shall speak. He goes on to say in verse 8, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of them for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And just as he called Jeremiah to speak, God calls us to speak lovingly to others giving them hope for their future, hope for eternity. Can you hear him calling you today? God says, before I formed you in the womb, he had a relationship, a personal relationship. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I set you apart for a purpose, and he says, I have appointed you. Can you hear his voice today? Stand with me, will you? I can hear my Savior calling, I can hear my Savior calling, I can hear my Savior calling. Take my cross and follow all the way. I want to pray a prayer. Let it settle deep into your heart and your soul today. Let it wash over us as we pray together. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's pray. Almighty God, in every age, you have called out men and women to be your faithful servants. We believe you have now called us to join that great company who seek to follow you. Grant us today and always a clear, clear vision of your call and strength to fulfill the ministry that you've given to each of us. And we pray it in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen and amen. May you go from here with the message that you have, that God has called you to share in the marketplaces of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You're dismissed. God bless you.